you build community by learning alongside each other and realizing, oh, this is how I maintain my house. Today on Doing Good, the podcast. Home. It's where the heart is. That's a trite saying, I know, unless you have ever not had a home. And then, well, it's the gospel truth. For many, a home of their own remains an unattainable dream. But Habitat for Humanity has been working for years and is still working to fix that. Today, the Doing Good gang rolls up their sleeves and learns more about the organization that was started by a couple in rural Georgia back in the mid-1970s. And now, well, it's an idea that has spread around the country and even the world. We'll learn more about Habitat for Humanity at work, specifically in central Appalachia, where people are breaking the cycle of poverty and partnering with volunteers, just neighbors who love them, to help build homes of their own. Since 1985, Holston Habitat for Humanity has built homes for more than 300 families in Northeast Tennessee and Southwest Virginia. It's incredible. You'll hear how the work has kept going despite the pandemic. And along the way, we think you're going to be inspired to look for creative ways to do good, to help people where you live, to know what it means to truly say, welcome home. My name is Susanna. And I'm Elijah. Welcome to Doing Good, the podcast where we and our parents talk about the good that's happening in our community and the people that are making those good things happen. So we actually just kind of sit here until we're told to talk, but we're actually the funny ones, so stick around and listen. Good morning, everybody. We're back. It's me, Dr. Becky. And I'm here with... Susanna and Elijah and Mr. Josh and welcome everybody. And we've been gone for a little while. We've had a spring break. Yes, um, but we're back now and we're going to be talking today with Laura Kelly with Holston Habitat for Humanity. Awesome. I love Habitat Talk about for doing Humanity. Good. Yeah, huge oh doing goodness. good. Um, but uh, lots been happening since oh we've been, since we last sat down to talk around the table. A little bit. And yeah, just a little bit. Um, and the trees are turning green and the dogwoods are about to bloom. And Elijah is what is also turning green. The pollen is oh, yeah. clogging. Oh. No. <laughs> Elijah, I think it's already peaked. Favorite I think it's past environmental allergy victim. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I wonder so if our special. listeners have missed us. So if we have, who are we? What are we doing here? Should we revisit? Sure. What's Susanna, our purpose? Who are we, and what are we doing here? Why are we here? We're the emo kids that <laughs> have their own lunch table. <laughs> and this is what we talk about. <laughs> we talk about doing good. <laughs> we talk about the people doing good in our community. Why? Because you know what? You could really become pretty focused on the bad stuff. Yeah. But there's so much good. Yeah, there is. And so does this podcast. Yep. Stop, look around, see what's going on around you. I think yeah. it might be good if we, I mean, do you want to, do you want to get our doing, uh, caught doing good segment out of the way? <laughs> oh my gosh, it's back. You missed that sound. <laughs> it was a... Susanna, haven't Susanna. you missed that sound? Mm-mm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Susanna, you kind of look like you have... A hot pocket in the microwave and something just exploded. That look on your face of like, yeah. Uh, or you're driving down the road and you hear something go, boom. <laughs> that that was the look on your face. Just because 
of the sound effect that somehow mysteriously and magically plays when someone says, caught doing good. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that look again. I know. Uh, okay, I, who, who goes first? Who this goes is first? our segment where we talk about some a moment when we saw, since we last saw each other. <laughs> since we last taped a podcast, because we see each other quite a bit. But anyway... When you caught someone doing good. Okay, so I will go first because I have um, an issue that I want to find out more about. And so my caught doing good is Elijah Smith, even though I'm mad at him. Ew! Um, <laughs> and I thought it would be really interesting to hear about the um, the tennis thing that you're doing. The Oh, oh the tennis program. Try tennis. Yeah, yeah try tennis. Okay, uh, it's just... tell us about it. Uh, that's my caught doing good. So... Wait a minute, you caught uh, Elijah doing good? Yeah, when you catch me doing that. Anything. Well, then he caught me doing bad. <laughs> well, it's just your dad. <laughs> I mean, day. he caught, no, I caught him doing, oh, whatever. I think this is good. Yeah, no, I just want to hear about it. I think it sounds really That's my really caught cool. doing good, too, is myself, so. Uh, You're not allowed to do one. yourself. <laughs> right. Becky has covered this. <laughs> Remember, guys, go back a few episodes when we first debuted this. Becky said the only person she could think of that was doing good <laughs> was herself. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Then I mentioned her husband, and that got a glare oh, of death. Yeah, and then it was like, like stop oh, already okay, with so. him. So you're caught doing good is try tennis, which Elijah which started. Is a lot, yeah. Go ahead, Elijah. So tell, tell us about, about it. it. It's just a free tennis program. Um, teaching kids tennis for free. That's the whole idea. It's pretty simple, but it's um, sure. So, like, how? Where do the kids come from, and how do you? You know, where do you do it, and what made you decide you really felt like you needed to do this? Um, main thing, uh, I'm really kind of open for anybody to do it. Right now, it's kind of been families we know through um, my co-op, mm-hmm. but um, probably going to branch it out once I have other people, other teenagers my age, kind of helping with that. Mm-hmm. We've only done it like three times so far but we yeah so it's it's really open for anybody just we kind of have a limit because if you have too many it becomes hard to teach everybody absolutely but the whole idea is just tennis can kind of be an expensive sport Mm -hmm. like there's not many places to get lessons from Mm -hmm. a lot of them are in johnson city as well Mm -hmm. so in elizabethan there's not really any options Mm -hmm. and so just kind of getting a racket in kids' hands can maybe introduce some of them to the sport, which a lot of them haven't even um, known about beforehand. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I love that it was born when everything was getting canceled in the pandemic, yeah. you know, and, and they were like nothing. Yeah. And he started doing it. So I thought that's great. Yeah, So that's, that's your good. caught doing good. That's my caught doing good. Because, How you know, a teenager taking the initiative to do something for someone else. Yeah. I'm just loving the duality of the fact that you're angry at him that he didn't stop it, and when you were waving at him, and when he drove by you the other day, and yet at the same time he's your caught doing well, good. Well, just because I'm mad at somebody doesn't mean I can't see the good. There you go. Unlike her husband, <laughs> man. <laughs> see previous episodes, Susanna. If we went clockwise, <laughs> you would be next. Do you want to pass? Can we yep. come back to you? Yeah. Okay. We'll go counterclockwise. Okay. Well, you're next. Okay. No pressure. No pressure. Okay. Um, caught doing good for me. Uh, and I, I do think about it. By the way, guys, you can think about this before we come yeah. to tape. You know, just a heads up. Well, I sent out a reminder text this weekend you saying, did. don't forget that they be thinking of your caught doing good. Oh, don't you mean you're caught doing good? <laughs> I did my best work under pressure. Okay. Give me a second. <laughs> Rapid fire. Rapid fire. <laughs> caught doing good for me came 
on the Saturday after St. Patrick's Day. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. this is we are moving on beyond your disparaging Becky of of St. Patrick's I can. Day. Again, just because I don't like something, uh-huh. I can see the good in it. And we went to uh, we went to together. All of us were there at the Shamrock Shuffle yes. to benefit the Ronald McDonald House, Southern Appalachian Ronald McDonald House. Previous guest here, yes, Malia, Malia Grant, Grant. on uh-huh. doing good the podcast. She told us about this event. We all went. And it was really, for me, the first chance to see, uh, to be at, at a 5K with a lot of people there, mm-hmm. you know. Well, for a, a while. Since the turkey trot. Right. I mean, and the turkey trot wasn't even well, all of us together. We no, were all spread we did, out. We did um, Speedway Lights. Speedway Lights. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So, But it had been a while. been a minute. Sure. And minute. just to see everyone there and see all the people who paid the admission to just come and go for a walk but support the Ronald McDonald House. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I think of them as a Doing Good, the podcast alumni, mm-hmm. alumnus, mm-hmm. alumnae, mm-hmm. alumner, alum. Um, so, you know, just to, that was a moment for me, seeing everybody coming out, doing good, supporting that wonderful house. There were a lot of people. A lot of people going for a walk. And, and it was a beautiful day. So, yeah, and just loving on the, the Ronald McDonald House. I think yeah. that's doing good. Yeah. Maybe that's how we can do good in the weeks to come is to start doing more of these charity 5Ks as people get back out and get together. Okay. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. You're up. Counterclockwise, it was your idea. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Doing good, Elijah. What's up? Uh, my mom. Oh. oh, my God. I'm going to cry. No, you mean my wife? You. Not you. No. <laughs> oh, no. okay. For having to deal with him all the time. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh. No, just for having to, um, we've all been at home a lot recently, even though we are anyways a lot. So she's kind of, she kind of bears the brunt of having to do literally everything. Mm -hmm. She kind of just wakes up and goes to sleep just to kind of serve us. So, Oh Oh my gosh. Okay. That is so sweet, Elijah. Which, I mean, she gets used to and she's happy doing it, which means we don't notice that it's what most people would look at as a chore, but um, I mean, to anybody else, it probably would be. And she does it with grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. So sometimes it's easy to forget that she actually does do she it. She is one of the kindest people I oh know. Oh my gosh! You you mean to tell me you're caught doing good as your mom? That is the greatest thing I've ever Are heard. You, you doubting it? Everything or? in me wants to give you a hug and a kiss right now. Oh, okay. do it! We're on do live a stream. Big wet smooch. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know how many dads get to hear their seventeen-year-old son say their mom is yeah. doing something good? See, now that just makes me happier that Elijah was my caught doing good. Oh my god! Okay, man. Major I'm point. I'm Even though person. I'm still mad at him. Hey, he's single. <laughs> Ready to mingle. <laughs> he's not just rich. He's single. <laughs> he wants to marry money. <laughs> only if you're rich. Yeah. I don't, okay. You mean only if your parents are rich? Yeah. yeah. Either way. He's, just, uh, he's, just money. He's joking. I don't care where it comes from. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care if it's legal. <laughs> Exactly. And there and goes my car going Layton, this is the part where we'll be editing. <laughs> All right, Susanna, I'm wondering, have you caught doing good? That's not actually a sentence. Yours is your mom, right? <laughs> By the way, Elijah's mom is my wife. So if you're listening to this, I know Wait, you know really? that. But really? anyone, 
Really? Someone who's listening. Guys, when? We get listeners, I new listeners get every time. People who are like, who are, are y'all like, married? Are y'all married? No. Like, we're, what? We're like the best of family friends. Yes, we're family. We're family. And my wife is Elijah's mom. Susanna's mom is the, the esteemed Dr. Rebecca Powers. And my but, dad is apparently the Prince of Darkness. <laughs> Your dad is a saint, but I shan't go there. Uh, who, who have you caught doing good? Um, okay, so since my grandparents got vaccinated, I've been able to go see them with my sisters recently, oh, which is really okay. exciting. And so my caught doing good is just my Nana, just watching the way that she likes to love on people, especially oh, yeah. how she's been like secluded with yeah. my grandpa. For a year. Yeah, for over a year now. And just the way that she keeps in touch with people is just touching to me. I love that. Caught doing good. Aww. Aww. Once again, Aww. I'm the best at the rapid fire. You are. Yeah, I nailed yeah. it down. So yeah. let's just recap. You're caught doing good with Elijah. Yeah. Elijah's caught doing good with his mom. Right. Susanna's caught doing good with her grandmother. Yes. And mine was a 5K. Yeah. I feel like Charlie Brown on Trick or Treat. No, you know? yours was I got a rock. Yours was the Ronald McDonald House. <laughs> no, his was all the people who came out to support the Ronald McDonald House. Hey, all the above. All the yeah. above. I, I, so. I thought it was great. Uh, and And so as we go forward, uh, now you can start be thinking about you can be looking for the good because, you know, that's that's what this podcast is mm-hmm. about, celebrating the doing good. Why are you giving us the rap? I didn't. I didn't I, <laughs> it's on live stream. Everybody saw you do it, so don't try to deny it. <laughs> well, I'm just saying that we okay. Let's, Heads up to all, all the listeners. The Heads up. Well, we're almost moving toward Laura Kelly coming in, our host and Habitat uh-huh. for Humanity. Why guys. are you giving me the look? <laughs> Like, you know that doesn't work when on When you me. drove by him and he was in no, the car. No, he drove by me. And you were waving. So tell in the story. Tesla. Tell the story. <laughs> Not your Tesla. I don't care what you were in. Tell the story. What he is, he's, I think we need to air this out. The two of you have some tension, some stress. And even though he's your caught doing good, he hacked you off. Tell him. Well, I was just trying to ask him a simple question. He was driving by with one of his friends uh-huh. in his Tesla. <laughs> Not his Tesla. No, not Elijah's Tesla, Tesla. His friend's Tesla. Because apparently Tesla. that's important. <laughs> it and is. But were you important? And I'm flagging him down on the side of the road. Yeah. It, and, yeah. It was like me who like, you know, probably there would give no him distinct, a kidney. There's yeah. no distinction between her waving me down and her just being normal whenever she sees me. You held She's him as an like, infant. You were, his, you were his physician at birth. Did you circumcise him? I did not circumcise okay. him. Okay, all right. Thank you, though. Yeah, no, that was right. That was, yeah. Yeah. But days after that, you know. <laughs> I like, think that mm. little sentence right there is going to be just like, please. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay, so. Circumcision you... is an area of very great controversy. I mean, we could pick up some, we could pick up some hate from. Today uh, on Doing Good, I don't good, think we're podcast. going to, though. Circumcision. No, we're not going <laughs> to. We could get into the controversy. Laura Kelly, when she listens to this, uh, yeah, she's, she's, gonna the, be she's like, like oh, oh wait, God. why did I ever say yes yeah, to Yeah, exactly. So anyway, you why wove. Did I say yes you, to this? You, what's the past tense of waved? You wove at him? Yeah, and- I was trying to flag him down because I had a question to ask him because his younger brother, Hudson, has lost an AirPod. Yeah. 
Um, and, you know, AirPods are of significant monetary value for a 14-year-old male. Mm-hmm. And he bought these AirPods himself. And literally on the AirPods' first outing, he lost one of them. Yep. And so I, I was walking down the road after the tennis match yesterday, which Suzanne and Elijah were both playing in the tennis match. Both won, by the way. Yes. And, oh, and then Leighton's son, Buddy, won his first tennis match, Big too. Time. I saw that on social. Go so. toppers. Yay. No, boot toppers. but. <laughs> Um, at any rate, go buddy. They're a different league than us. It doesn't matter. Um, and, uh, and so I looked down and in the road, there they were, there was an AirPod in a case. And I said, and I knew that they had gone out after they had been at my house getting carb loaded for the swim meet. And I figured they probably did come down to the tennis courts and heck around for and a little were while. just serving humanity there. And, and I, so I'm like, oh, I'm like, Elijah would know. And so I, wa- I walked back, tried to catch Elijah. He gets in his friend's Tesla, Tesla. because apparently <laughs> Tesla. that's important. And, and I'm waving him down like, Elijah, stop. I need to ask you a question. Drove right by. Ooh, the diss. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And so we have some tension here in the room this yeah, morning. She she makes it sound like she was in the middle of the road, like signing out quick ASL, like <laughs> and I know ASL and all those different things. All these things assumed. No, so I knew exactly what she was talking is, about. The problem is it wasn't complicated like ASL. It was like stop, <laughs> stop. I need to talk to you. I thought you were your brother's AirPod. No, and he just drove on by. In I'm sorry, what, what kind of car it? was he? In? I think you said it was a Pinto. Yeah, a yeah. Ford Pinto. Uh huh. A Chevelle. Oh, the Chevelle. <laughs> they don't even know what a that Pontiac is. A Pontiac Le Mans. Uh huh. Yeah, no. no, it was in a Tesla. Yeah. So you couldn't be bothered by that. So so so. So, so yours... I texted him and I called him a name. Oh. What name? And it was some. Uh, let me. <laughs> what name? I called him a big dummy. Big. <laughs> And it was oh only because I'd had time to calm down okay. a little that I didn't call him a big dummy poo head. Sometimes you have to just wait on that text. Yeah. You have to hold. Yeah, I did. You know, type I the email and wait. Yeah. So I you just, did in your move. I waited until I calmed down and then I didn't put in poo head. Okay. Sometimes you have to resolve conflict. She threatened me with no more food. Ooh. And you know what he said? He said, oh, that's really going to hurt. Or something to that effect. Oh, my gosh. What are you trying to do? Yeah. Are you trying to create problems? Yep. Yeah. You know what I'm bringing the next time we go out anywhere? Kale. That's what I'm bringing. <laughs> okay. I'm going to try to carb load on that. Yeah, kale. <laughs> you can eat that, too? I love kale. I'm I'm struck by what a... <laughs> and I, <I'm, laughs> you think I don't love kale? No, like, you, you're fine only eating kale. Huh? Only, yeah, especially if I get to watch you being tortured by it. <laughs> um, I'm, right. I'm struck by there's this word called, and I'm afraid to say it because I'm I'm afraid that everything's offensive now. Circumcision? But, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> <That's so right. laughs> uh, is bougie a bad word? No, okay, I don't think bougie, bougie is a bad okay, word. Okay, I'm saying I'm it's scared. just a descriptor. Okay, so what a bougie story! <laughs> I found the AirPod think, while yeah. he drove by his Tesla uh, after the tennis match. <laughs> yeah, and kale. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> the bougiest of vegetables. Instead of carb loading. Yeah. Um, I am so excited to hear about Laura because Laura is going to tell us about what they're doing with Habitat, and it. <laughs> And, and I think it's really a beautiful thing. I was on one Habitat Build project, yeah. so I'm excited to talk to her about that. And and 
And I, I have always been amazed by the former president, Jimmy Carter, and his support of the project and how it kind of started off with something small. But I think for most of us, is it fair as we head toward this interview that we think we know what Habitat is, but we maybe are excited to learn more? Would you say that's a fair yes. description? Yep. I was, uh, can I just tell a quick story? Please do. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we're running no. out of time. But, no, you can't. Um, no. Sorry. Yes, you okay. can. Go ahead. Go so, for it. When I was in college, I worked um, for an organization called the Infant Crisis Center in Oklahoma City, which is where I went to college. And we were, um, and basically we were just providing um, food and clothing and diapers and um, for people in need, people in crisis um, for their infants. And, but um, we were uh, housed in this church, this old church. And so we were on one floor and then on the another floor was the Habitat for Humanity for mm. Oklahoma City, for the Greater Oklahoma City Habitat for Humanity. So I learned about the organization through my work with the Infant Crisis Center. Awesome. So, yeah. And I, 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 I've never actually done a build, but I, um, I think that their mission and that what they do is really um, – admirable and worthwhile um, and it really is life-changing for a lot of people so i'm super excited to talk with laura are we good to go let's welcome now laura kelly with the holston habitat for humanity Hey, we're back, and we have Laura Kelly here in the studio with us today. And Laura is with um, Habitat for Humanity, and you're the director? I am. What's your official title, Laura? I'm the executive director at Holston Habitat for Humanity. The new executive director. As of when? When did you start? January 1st. Oh, oh awesome. Gosh. So we just rounded out my first 90 days. <clears throat> okay. Well, very good. So your first quarter is under your belt now. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that's amazing. All oh, right. Wonderful time to join a nonprofit as an executive director. <laughs> there's nothing there's to not make it challenging. challenges, but there's a lot of really good momentum. Yeah. So it, it is a really wonderful well, time Well, and it's a hopeful time, too, now. I think everybody's yeah. sort of spring is coming again. We've been doing this whole pandemic business for a year now. Mm-hmm. People are getting vaccinated, and the CDC is slowly rolling back restrictions, which is mm-hmm. super exciting for mm-hmm. me as a doctor. Wander. Well, and that's allowing people to get out and, and yeah. do with the things they'd love. Yeah. So... For people who aren't familiar with Habitat for Humanity, what is it? Habitat for Humanity, well, the original history is we were born out of Americus, Georgia. Habitat was born out of Koinonia Farms in Americus, and it was just an inspiring movement looking at some inequality in housing access. Mm -hmm. And so it was born, and in 1985, we had two local founders, Joe Morrison and Elizabeth Ann Hay, who got a charter out of New York City. We're one of the first 100 affiliates in the nation, and now there's over 1,000. You're talking about the Holston Habitat Holston for Humanity. Habitat. We are one of the first 100 affiliates in the nation. Really? Wow. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. It's a really special story. So that would be mid-'70s, it's born in Americus, Georgia. Mm-hmm. By mid-'80s, it's born here in Northeast in Tennessee, Southwest Virginia, mm-hmm. Tri-Cities area. So that's started, incredible. That's right. We started in Kingsport in Elizabethan, and then we pretty quickly expanded to Bristol, Tennessee, and Virginia, and Johnson City. So all within a couple of years, we were serving all of the Tri-Cities in Bristol, Virginia. Wow, that's so, so cool. Mm-hmm. So that's our history. And, it, and the founder, one of the founders, Elizabeth Ann Hay, she went down to Koinonia Farm with some youth group kids, and they came back and just had a really transformational experience. Mm-hmm. And so if she had not gone with with those kids and come back and really shared her testimony with the local the Holston Presbytery Conference, then we might not have an affiliate. So 
that's a brief look into how we got to where we are. But Habitat for Humanity's mission is through um, just being servants of God, bringing homes, community, and hope to our community. So we want to invite people in to be a part of the process, to partner with us, and to maintain really decent, energy-efficient, affordable housing mm-hmm. in the Tri-Cities area. Mm-hmm. So. That's awesome. Yeah. And so what is the so, – so we've been around since 1985 here mm-hmm. in the Tri-Cities. How many houses have we built for people – so we have built 308 houses wow. for local residents. And let me tell you, in this market that we're in right now, it's a wild ride. Oh, my. It is a really wild ride. So we've come a long way in the quality of our construction. We, you learn a lot in 25, 35 years, mm-hmm. you know. And so it is neat to drive around the Tri-Cities knowing which houses. You know, the very first house had an unbelievable pitch. Looking at it, it's like a gingerbread house. It was it was built by. A you team mean of, the roof? No. The roof really steep. Yes. yes, the there was a team of architects that worked on it, and it's an amazing house. Mm-hmm. But we've just learned a lot. Um, Not the most cost-effective way to build. <laughs> well, it's a little tricky for volunteers. Yeah. So we, we've come a long way, but yeah. we've served over three hundred families here. And one thing I did want to tell you all about today is that um, part of the Habitat for Humanity culture is that we're involved in what's called a global village. So it is a part of our ethics that we tie the certain amount of our revenue each year to an international cause. Mm-hmm. So we in Holston Habitat, we are supporting other affiliates around the world, and we currently have a partnership with a Rotary and Habitat affiliate in Brazil. Oh. And so over our history since 1985, this affiliate, Holston Habitat, has tithed $797,000 to overseas missions, which has impacted over 250 families. So we've made this critical mission impact here in the Tri-Cities, but we're also really committed to serving overseas. And when it is safe to travel again, we'll go be a part of a hands-on Mission trip. I had no idea. Yeah, in Brazil. How cool. So my brain uh, does math, and you said that you have tithed over 790000 mm-hmm. So that means that we're talking about $7.9 million um, as is the amount of revenue that the charity has been working with over the last 35 years. Sure. Above and beyond that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. 308. How, so, yeah. I mean, that's, um, that's an amazing amount of contributions to Holston Habitat for Humanity from mm-hmm. the community and from, say, because I, I'm, you are a nonprofit organization, mm-hmm. and so your revenue is all donated, correct? Habitat's a really interesting model, Mm -hmm. and I won't get too into the weeds, Mm -hmm. but we've got a couple different components that we're working with. One, we've got our two restores. We've got a Kingsport restore Mm -hmm. and a Johnson Johnson City City restore. restore. Those places are so cool. They're really neat. So Mm -hmm. the concept of the restore is that folks around this region will bring their donated goods, we will resell them, and every dollar for dollar goes into our mission. Mm -hmm. So that's a really great way to support, frankly, our overhead Mm -hmm. so that if I'm out fundraising, I can say to every grant writer and to every fundraiser, listen, you don't have to worry about buying us pens and ink and paying for our our insurance. Right. Your dollar is going to go towards construction. Mm -hmm. And that's really meaningful. Mm -hmm. So it's a huge gift to us Mm -hmm. to have these two restores that bring in a significant income. Mm -hmm. So we're retail Mm -hmm. and we are also a lender. 
So we service our own mortgages for all of the homes that oh, we build. That's right, for the people who are, uh, mm-hmm. yes. And I think that's such an important point that I learned very early on as I was covering Holston Habitat for Humanity. And they w- I was sent out as a reporter to, to cover, um, it was, I'll never forget, it. it was in Bristol. It was on a Saturday. It was mm-hmm. probably in the mid-90s. I had no idea what I was doing. By mid-1990s, I don't mean the temperature, but it was in the summer. <laughs> and uh, I roll up in this neighborhood. I had no idea what it was. Mm-hmm. And I roll up in this neighborhood, and I get out, and there's this, um, there's a woman and her three children, I think, maybe four. And there's this group of burly-looking retired men and, and just absolutely ready-for-work women, and they're all there mm-hmm. together in the front yard, and they've got a big... I think like a ribbon or something like that. And they were having the, the dedication ceremony. It was at mm-hmm. that moment that I realized that this family wasn't just like, uh, you know, Oprah, here's, here's a key. You know, you win a house. I mean, it was, she had put in blood, sweat and tears mm-hmm. and her family had, and those volunteers had, it was, it yeah. was for them a joint effort. She had total ownership in this house. It was not a gift. So, Talk about that, and how how does that work where people who do not have secure, available housing Mm -hmm. become homeowners through Habitat? Yeah. And home builders themselves. Yeah, absolutely. They're side-by-side with us, which is such a really rewarding part of the process for volunteers, for our staff, Mm -hmm. for the homeowner, and it just builds community. That's what we mean by, by building community. It's not just that they are going through education classes, but you build community by learning alongside each other and realizing, oh, this is how I maintain my house. Mm -hmm. So I'll kind of walk you through how you become a homeowner. Mm -hmm. So first, we've got a couple of different legs of the stool. There's got to be a demonstration of need. So that can be that they are too cost burdened. Let's say a homeowner or a renter, they're spending 50% of their income Mm -hmm. on their housing. Mm -hmm. And we know... We're talking a lot around the Tri-Cities right now about the ALICE term, Mm -hmm. asset limited, income constrained, but employed. Mm -hmm. So these are working families and they are working our service jobs and they are teachers and they are single parents, their grandparents raising grandkids and they've got income, but it's just not enough Mm -hmm. to compete in this market to be able to, to have an affordable house. Especially in this market now. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's kind of bonkers. Yeah. So they could be, um, really limited by their income. It could be an unsafe living environment, whether those are neighborhood concerns or physically their home is dilapidated and, and needs a significant amount of repair. So there's demonstration of need in where they currently live. Then there's the willingness to partner. So you alluded to that. You are working alongside Habitat for Humanity. This is not a turnkey operation where you get your keys in a couple of months. This is a real commitment to taking a deep dive into financial education, taking a deep dive into how to maintain your home, how to build your home. And then there's a certain amount of just general hours that we require so that they can spend time in our restore, spend time doing administrative things, and really just have a good understanding of how this nonprofit runs. Mm-hmm. And in so doing, they've got, we've got this little cohort of families who are all going through this together. So you've got to be willing to partner and see this through. And there's also some financial commitment. You know, they put their own down payment down. Mm-hmm. So there's some... Um, as they say, skin in the game. Yeah. So there's that willingness to partner. And then there is um, just the fact that they must live in the Tri-Cities for the last year of their lives and employed for six months. So we look at all their records and are just making sure that they've got the ability to repay the mortgage. Mm -hmm. That's a big 
part because we want to provide affordable housing Mm -hmm. and we don't want to set a family up for success. So if they don't have the ability to repay, then we need to be aware that there are other families who can Mm -hmm. and that this might not be the best solution for this family. There are other organizations out there that might be a better fit for them. So So why do that as opposed to just give them the keys? There's a why for that. What what is the reasoning behind that method of giving people good homes as opposed to just giving one away? Well, I do want to say our mortgages are zero percent interest. Mm-hmm. So that's Im- a good deal. Imagine that every payment you make on your house goes towards your principal and not towards the interest. Yeah, so that's already significant equity that they are getting pretty immediately. And we really believe that if people are, um, when they walk into the equity of this house. And when they have spent time building it and learning how to maintain their finances, we're trying to set them up for success in the future. Right. Because there is a place in our market for giving out houses to people who are in an emergency situation. Mm -hmm. There's a need for that. Mm -hmm. And we think that the clients that we are working with, the families that we are serving are ready to take the next step in their financial literacy. Mm -hmm. And that this program just sets them up to be equipped to... Take the next step. And once they have a solid footing and once they've got a really good routine and a balanced budget, the sky's the limit. Mm -hmm. You know, they can go to school. They can expand their family. Mm -hmm. They can get a car. Mm -hmm. They can do all these things. So we think that our program really sets them up for making some of those big family decisions that are always down the road. There right. are always the next moves to make. So I, th- I don't think I was aware of the financial literacy part, but that is such a big, big, um, such a big part of being mm-hmm. um, healthy and thriving in our world. Un- I mean, unfortunately, mm-hmm. is that you have to be able to see the money part of it, the money as a tool and not just like, you know, and, and I think I think that is right. You know, I remember when I was um, when I was first introduced to Habitat for Humanity when I was in college, um, they used the term sweat equity. Do you guys mm-hmm. still use that term? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So and all those components that I've kind of mentioned, mm-hmm. if you're a single person, you've got a certain amount of hours. And if you're a couple, you've got a certain amount of hours. But families are contributing 300 plus hours of sweat equity. Right. So we've got a certain amount that goes towards construction, a certain amount towards education, and then kind of a general. So so that's a pre- I imagine there's a pretty rigorous screening um, criteria for the families that do get accepted to um, then have a build. Um, so how many families apply or how many individuals do you have who apply mm-hmm. for, um, for the program? Um, and then what percentage of those individuals do actually end up, you know, getting the keys to signing the papers for their house. Mm -hmm. Well, right now, it's funny you ask. We are in a little bit of a transition. We're preparing to change our application and selection model. Mm -hmm. The way that we've done it for many, many years is on a rolling basis, we accept applications as they come in the door. Mm -hmm. So that puts us in a position where if we've got only families applying in Kingsport, then we're really only building in Kingsport. Right. And so we're changing our models so that we can look at our assets, look at our land bank, Mm -hmm. look at where um, opportunities are to continue working with other parts of the Tri-Cities and leadership and opportunities. So now we're changing it so that we've got a a window of opportunity for people to apply on an annual basis. Mm -hmm. They apply within that window, and we are going to specifically look for, you know, we've got opportunity for three homes in Elizabethton or two homes in Johnson City. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, that will kind of change our application process a little bit. Mm-hmm. 
But I will say over the window of COVID, since we put a moratorium on applications mm-hmm. and a moratorium on construction mm-hmm. for at least six months last year, mm-hmm. since COVID began last March, we've got at least 125 families who have reached out since we paused accepting applications and who are just waiting for us to call them back. Wow. Um, so there's 125 families out there in addition to who would have already applied. Right. And so I think that's a really striking number because we are one program. We are one housing provider. And so you've just got to think about how many has Eastern eight and the first Tennessee development district and Appalachia service project. How many have all of these organizations mm-hmm. received? What kind of crisis are we in right now? So I think mm-hmm. that that number is striking. So we've, we've got some work ahead of us mm-hmm. there. The need is not going away. We've got about that many in our pool right now. Um, And let's say for every 10 Uh that apply, one or two might match up. Because we want to make sure families have the right income and have a, you know, just a stable job outlook Uh so that by the time their home is done in 12 to 18 months, that they're still going to be stable at that time. Right. And that they're know. not going to end up losing their house. Right. It, yeah. it would be, things can change. Mm-hmm. Anything can happen. So we just want to make sure families are going to be stable through that entire 18 months. Uh-huh. And that's you know. not common these days. There's so much instability for so many families yeah. right now. Right. You know, I, if you've ever been to, what, what do you call the day where you give, where they take ownership? Uh, it, uh, home dedication ceremony. A home dedication ceremony day. Mm-hmm. If you've ever been to one, it is an amazing, amazing day because mm-hmm. you get to see people literally watch their dream come true. Yeah. And it, it, it was, it's been very emotional for me to witness yeah. in the couple of times I've, I've seen it. And it makes me think that for every 300 homes, for every one of those homes, there's a story. Mm-hmm. Are, do you see that where you, you find people who have sp- spent maybe generations without having home ownership or maybe their certainly their whole lives with instable housing, unstable housing, Do you see them come to the point where it's, they don't really even think they deserve it. Mm -hmm. It's a question of worth. Yeah. I think it's, it's just hard. And I think pride has a lot to do with it Mm -hmm. where for years, if you don't own anything and if maybe you're a little bit transient because you just haven't had that stability, you've just got to feel defeated, defeated and down. And like, why hasn't this worked for me? Why haven't I figured this out? Is there something wrong with me? And you're never going to be able to have any success or get out. You know, it's, it's a little successes along the way. And you just constantly just get torn down. Right. There's something wrong with me. Right. Yeah. And all they need is a hand up. That's part of our slogan. It is a hand up and not a handout. You know, it's like, yeah, we all have our limitations, but here's, you can, you can hammer this board here, yeah. you know, that's going to be a door frame. You can do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned an architect becoming, I mean, design and mm-hmm. uh, I, I know what little I've, I've been on a build project once and I was I, I'm used to this, but I was the least educated person on the project. And <laughs> now you have people who come along and, and volunteer mm-hmm. who know what they are doing. How does yeah. that work where you get yeah. an architect or you get an electrician? Mm-hmm. These are people that you, I guess some of them are volunteering, some are paying. Yeah. Paid. Yeah. So we hire out some of the trade work and the work that we really want to make sure is warranted. So 
Not that volunteers can't do it, but if you can guarantee a 30-year warranty on something, then we're going to do that for the families. We want them mm-hmm. to be set up. It's a safety issue, I would yeah. think, too. Yeah. So, you know, we've got architects that help us with our drawing plans. If we've got something funky that comes up and we need to change the layout because of the lot dimensions or setbacks, we've got an architect who will help us kind of rework that. Um, but we've got a couple of templates now that are pretty much our standard. When we recruit volunteers, anybody can come out and serve. Anybody can. And the great thing about volunteerism is that if you have a really good experience, you're going to tell all your friends and family. And Mm. you're going to bring somebody with you next time. Right. And so there's really been this word of mouth experience where, sure, we've, we've spent time recruiting volunteers. And we know that the experience of volunteering on a Habitat house is really powerful because you are working alongside other people and also swinging a hammer next to the homeowner. So it's really easy to just build community and to have a rewarding experience that makes you want to say, man, I want to come back here next month. I want to help her paint the house now that I've hung drywall. Mm -hmm. So we recruit volunteers, but we do have a team of what we call the regulars. They are a (laughs) a group of guys and gals. A lot of them actually come out of Eastman, Eastman retirees. Mm -hmm. There's a really strong community there. And, they kind of, you know, recruit their friends and family to join the team. But you don't get really experienced volunteers unless you're always welcoming new ones. Right. So it's a balance. Yeah. So we always want new people to join, to catch the fever, to be a part of something really stellar in this community. And then, you know, we'll train you. Mm-hmm. We'll train you to have that really attention to detail, meticulous eye, so that it'll also feel like bread and butter to you when you're three and four years in and it'll feel like nothing. Yeah. It seems like it's also a really good way for the volunteers to develop some skills that Mm -hmm. they might, you know, that they probably wouldn't have had before. Like, you know, I'd kind of like to learn how to uh, wire something, you know, do Mm -hmm. some electrical work. And it, it, you know, if, if you need to have your doing good with a little bit of becoming better, Mm -hmm. then I think that, um, I think Habitat for Humanity is a great way to do that. It's beautiful. I love that. So, um, uh, but okay, so you mentioned two things that I kind of want to talk a little bit more about. Mm-hmm. You talked about, um, you know, making sure the houses are efficient, mm-hmm. um, and so um, I, I kind of do. I want to know what what kind of attention is the Habitat for Humanity paying to sustainability and to um, helping to create a greener, more, um, you know. Uh, energy efficient world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very good question. Thank you. So we're always striving to do better. And some of the basic things that we do to make sure that this is an energy efficient house is that we, throughout the build process, we'll do a blower test mm-hmm. to see where we are losing air. Mm-hmm. And so as we do that blower test, then we're going back and, you know, filling up cracks mm-hmm. and just making sure that it's a really airtight house. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. And we also work with, the TVA, we get a grant from them to make sure that we are putting a little register on the water heater to monitor mm-hmm. usage mm-hmm. so that we wouldn't even know. But if your hot water heater is on all the time, constantly heating your water, that's part of your electric bill. Mm-hmm. And if you're not really using that much water at 4 a.m., maybe your hot water heater doesn't need to be expending that energy. Mm-hmm. So it's this little device that helps to just regulate your energy consumption on your hot water heater. So that's a great relationship with TVA. Yep. Cool. We also try to make sure that the products that we're putting into the house and the systems that we're putting into the house 
have a long lifespan. Mm -hmm. Because the last thing we want to do is to put in an average product that the homeowner is going to have to replace themselves Mm -hmm. out of their asset-limited, income-constrained, but employed budget. Yeah, that's huge. We had Mm -hmm. just had to replace our dryer this weekend. It's a big deal. And, well, you know, we were actually celebrating a little because dryers, (laughs) you know, if you read up on it, dryers are made to last about 10 years now. Mm -hmm. Um, Eight to 10 years is the lifespan of a dryer, which, you know, we can get into the whole major appliances Mm -hmm. and how they're being made to break these days Mm -hmm. in a certain amount of time. But... um, but we got 17 years out of that dryer, so we were suffering a little. But then we had to go and pay. We had to go and pay $900 for a new clothes dryer, which I can imagine being a resource limited family mm-hmm. who um, was was um, you know who put the work in and was blessed to re- to to be a recipient of a Habitat for Humanity um, build, and then you know. Two years down the road, you have this $900 unforeseen mm-hmm. expense. I mean, that can really derail people who are living paycheck to paycheck. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so you know, I think that's great that um, Holston Habitat for Humanity is paying attention to those types of things yeah. and trying to put those quality quality. That's kind of core for the international organization, isn't mm-hmm. it, uh, the, the quality uh-huh. and sustainability. Yeah. Our teen hosts are chomping at the bit to come in and ask you some questions <laughs> and to round out our time with you. But well, before we... shoot, can I ask one more question? Oh, please. Okay. Yeah. You mentioned the, sorry, you yeah. mentioned the land bank. All right. Mm. So I know that this is a huge issue in Elizabethan because everybody wants to be in a certain part of town, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And I have some patients who are friends who are builders and they talk about the difficulty of finding lots. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and so the land bank, tell me about that concept. So we always want to make sure we have a couple of lots mm-hmm. in every county that we're building okay. in to give families some options. Because one of the really neat things about when we do what we call the match, when we determine that a family is going to qualify for the program, mm-hmm. we set up a pre-construction meeting, mm-hmm. and they pick out their shutters, and they pick out their colors and their flooring and all that. Part of it is they also get to pick out what lot they want to live on. Mm-hmm. So most families will stay and the you know, relatively close to the community that they're currently in. And so we want to keep a couple of options in each city and each county. Mm-hmm. Now, some of the considerations that we're taking um, in are not only where geographically, how close are they to where they've been, but how can we keep the kids in the best schools? schools. Mm-hmm. And how close are they to what they need to access? Mm-hmm. Like, the grocery store and the bank mm-hmm. and the mechanic and all of those things. Mm-hmm. Cause we don't want them if they've got a, you know, if they've got a 1990 Honda civic, that's going to go out in the next couple of years. We want to make sure that they're in a good place. Right. You don't want them up on top of Roan mountain necessarily. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that that's, those are part of our considerations. And especially in this market, it's hard to find buildable land right. for the price that we can pay. Right. So, because it's, the, a, it's, a, it's a land grab going on. It's, it's just incredible. It's incredible, and it's difficult. And we have some generous donors who will reach out to us and say, I've got this lot, oh. or I've got this house. Now, it is extremely generous. Right. And huge gift. we can't always say yes. Oh. And here's why. If you donate us a lot, that's a corner lot, and it's got a lot of incline on it, then it's going to cost us $40,000 to put in a foundation. Mm-hmm. Oh. 
And if we spend $40,000 on a foundation, that's $40,000 we can't spend on something else. Then that brings up the price point for the family to have to pay, and we don't want to do that. Right. So there's such a sweet spot mm -hmm. on getting a piece of land that is good for a house that is relatively buildable. I mean, we do excavation. Mm -hmm. That's that's no big deal, but if we have to spend 40 grand on a foundation, that's kind of a no-go. Right. So really our sweet spot right now is we're spending 15 or 20k just on a lot. And I don't know if that's going to change. You know, I think the market right now, the way that it is, I think it's just going to continue to go up and land will continue to be in demand. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think, like, what can you get in the Elizabethan city limits um, that's a buildable lot for $15,000? Oh, uh, you know, good luck. Mm -hmm. yeah, good luck. That's tough. Yeah. That would, that's a great point. I never thought about the, how the land acquisition and how that is such a balance for you. Mm -hmm. Laura Kelly with... Uh, Holston Habitat for Humanity. Are you ready for the best part of the podcast? I am, but this has been pretty good. So. Oh, I, I, golly, gee, get ready. Uh, <laughs> hold on to the, your Habitat hat. Uh, here we come, our teen podcast host. Hi, Laura. How are you? I'm well. How are you? It's great to meet you. You too. Thanks for having me. So again, I'm Elijah. I'm Susanna. Yeah, so um, really enjoyed hearing you talk about that. I personally didn't know that much about Habitat for Humanity before this, I've of course heard about it because it's um, it's a large thing in this area, and I've mm -hmm. I've known people that have known other people that have been personally affected by it. But I just wanted to um, start off by asking, what made you take up this job? What was the reason that you're passionate about what you do today? That's a great question. So I moved to Johnson City about eight years ago now. And my background is with Appalachia Service Project. So I have a very home repair heavy background. But in those seven and a half years that I spent with ASP, I spent a lot of time going in and out of homes, single wide mobile homes and dilapidated homes across central Appalachia. So I spent a lot of time in Grundy, Virginia and Tazewell, Virginia and Bristol and Western North Carolina and Newport here and Hancock County. So I've spent a lot of time in the hills and hollers meeting real people with real housing needs. Mm -hmm. And when I moved down here, I was passionate about housing, but I don't think I realized how much of a need it was, how much we need to be focusing on maintaining our housing stock so that it's affordable and so that it doesn't crumble around the people who need it the most. Yeah, that makes so sense. So it was just eye-opening to me. And when this opportunity with Holston Habitat came to be, you know, I'd, I'd been working in Johnson City for a few years, and it just felt like the next right step. And what is so appealing to me about this program is the real hand-in-hand -hand partnership that we have with families. Yeah, It's really meaningful. And the way that we build community and the way that we support them in the journey to homeownership and just to watch them flourish once they get the keys to their house and just knowing that they are free from that stress of knowing where am I going to go next? Is my, is my landlord going to kick me out? Is, you know, what's going to happen? What's going to be the next um, ball to drop? And they just don't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah. So. And it I mean, was an easy yes for me. <laughs> if, uh, I think anybody that lives around here knows, like, if you go out, not even that far, you can just follow down a, a country road. You'll see these communities that, mm -hmm. um, like you're talking about, they're just really impoverished communities that 
and th- there are so many of them and I'm sure you've seen that. And mm-hmm. so what do you do approaching these communities? In terms of inviting them to be a part of the program or. Yeah. And, and more specifically, like um, I guess for teenagers, our age and other different people, mm-hmm. um, because it's, it's such a common thing around here. What can we look to do for these communities? Gosh, what a great question. <laughs> so the neat thing about communities, especially in, you know, small town USA, there are always going to be the movers and shakers and community service centers that are acting as hubs for resources. So the best thing to do, I think if you're trying to serve in a community is figure out who's the resource provider and what are they providing? And how do I get plugged in and make sure that their resources are reaching the people that I see in this X community? So one of the resources that we have across the United States is we've got neighborhood service centers. And they receive government funding and other funding. And so they run programs like Head Start and um, nutrition education and employment assistance and, you know, driving folks to doctor's appointments. And so those are real assets for rural areas. And a lot of times that, that's the only hub in a community. So if you want to know how to serve a community, I'd say figure out what are the assets there already and how can you plug yourself in to support those? Because the best thing we can do is to grow the leadership that's already there. We don't want to reinvent the wheel. You know, we don't want to create a competing program that's actually going to steal resources from this one that already exists. And there's a lot of different ways to get involved around here between volunteering with Holston Habitat on a work site or um, volunteering with, good Sam right here up the road or with the food bank. Um, there's a lot we can do to support our local communities and to advocate for more resources to continue to come into this area. Because if we don't advocate, then, you know, bigger folks won't hear about the need. Right. Bigger folks in bigger places. Yep. So <laughs> what kinds of houses do the, does the Holston Habitat generally build? So we have built up to a five-bedroom house, and we actually just completed one in Kingsport. It's a beautiful house. So typically we, we will build a ranch-style home, and so it'll have a kind of an open, open concept space between the kitchen and the living room, yeah. and then however many bedrooms that that family needs, um, you know, depending on the size of the, size of the house. Could be one, one-and-a-half baths, maybe two and we do our best to make sure that our we have at least one fully handicap accessible bathroom yeah so that that family can stay there as long as they want mm-hmm. um and some of it depends on the land so sometimes we'll have you know a ranch style but it'll have a walk-in basement because it's on a slope or something like that sure yeah but we build a nice house with a front porch and a back porch and we provide a yard barn so that the family has somewhere to put their lawnmower and you know, outdoor gear. So that's super cool. Yeah. One of my favorite things about that is that it's a completely different approach to like just most affordable housing things, which is just cookie cutter houses, just put them out there, get people into those houses. This is a much more personal take in which it's not just a house, Mm-hmm. But or it's it not can, just like a trailer. Home. Exactly. It, it can be a long-term home. Mm-hmm. And building upon that, I, I kind of want to know what you think 
is the difference between a house and a home and what makes a home a home in your opinion? Oh, that's such a good question. I think a home, I always feel home when I'm with the people who are closest to me. And when I get to share those really special memories in that place. So I feel like I'm, I'm at home when I'm in a coffee shop that I've been to a million times and I see the people that I know and I love and it feels warm and it's cozy. And so when I think about a house versus a home, I think a house is probably somewhere that you rent and you don't really have an emotional attachment to. And it is transactional. You know, you pay your monthly payment, but you're not really invested in maintaining it because it's not yours. And it's just a stepping stone to the next thing or the next place. And I see a home as being different because it's a place where you really have your most cherished memories, where you learn that your daughter got into college and you run around the living room excited and celebrating and you make your Thanksgiving dinner and you all sit around the table and you welcome your friends and family over. I think that home is just the safe place that we gather with the people who are most important to us in our lives. And it's reliable. Yeah. Yeah. That's where you can breathe. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I might just cut out. No, it didn't. Okay. So since there's no interest on the mortgage rates, I heard you say earlier, um, how long are families usually in debt, you could say, to Holston? So it depends on their income, but we typically do a 30-year mortgage, and some families will do a 15-year mortgage, and some families will be a little bit more aggressive on their monthly payments, so they might pay theirs off early, because that's the good thing. So if we, if we're doing a 30-year mortgage, but it's a really affordable payment, then they might have the ability, you know, if they get another income earner in their household and, um, or if they get a promotion or they might be able to pay their home off early, which is exciting. Yeah. And part of the core program, part of the core of our financing that I haven't mentioned yet is that we do not charge families more than 30% of their annual income because we believe that if families are paying more than 30% of what they earn, then they are cost burdened by their home. So I mentioned before, you know, if a family is spending 50% of their income on housing, then they don't have enough money for food and they don't have enough money for gas and medication and all of that. And so our houses might appraise for $175,000, but if a family over 30 years only has the ability to repay $130,000 or $150,000, then that's what we're going to set up their mortgage to be. So we're we're doing our best to make sure that the family is in a position where they can really afford this house um, and that they can pay their mortgage off at the end of it. Because yeah. it wouldn't just help to give them a house and then make them in debt for the rest of their right. lives on it. Right. right, that's not the point. Yeah. We want to set them up to be financially free. And that's why I like that it's it's about the quality of it and not just the quantity, like here's a house, get in as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Good luck. Yeah. You know, it's a lot more personal and, um, because you're doing that, then each house, like you said, kind of tells its own story. It's a lot more personal, mm-hmm. a lot more special. Also the difference, like you said, between a house and a home. So yeah, that's the difference. That's right my there. favorite part about it, that it's just all a personalized process from start to finish until that house is paid off and that's just their permanent residence. Like, yeah. Totally agree. Yeah. Um, I think... 
if we're going to play a game, we should probably go ahead and play the game. But um, <laughs> real quickly, I just wanted to ask how can teens get involved in Habitat for Humanity? Y'all should take a look at our website. We've got volunteer opportunities listed for each family that we're building for. And for 16, we have volunteers that we can't accept volunteers, I should say, who are 16 and up. And you can come out and help us with landscaping and with all kinds of things out on the work site. So best way to get in touch with us and to see how you can help is by visiting holstonhabitat.org. And looking awesome. under volunteer opportunities. Sounds good for volunteer hours or if you just want to get out and do some good. Absolutely. With that being said, let's get into our rapid fire trivia game. <laughs> so we're just going to trade off. I'll ask the first question. Just answer it as quickly as you can. If it takes too long, we'll cut you off and ask the next one. <laughs> okay. We've just got 10, though. Okay. All right. What can be broken but is never held? A heart. A promise. <laughs> That's also true. Uh, yeah. um, okay. How many reindeer does Santa have? Ten. Nine. Close. Dang. What is the geometric shape of a stop sign? Octagon. Yep. What sporting event is referred to as the run for the roses? Some marathon. Uh, the Kentucky Derby. The Kentucky Derby. Who was the first <laughs> woman to win a Nobel Peace Prize? Oh, what a good question. I wish I knew the answer. It's Marie Curie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is it true that the special sauce on the Big Mac is Thousand Island dressing? I wouldn't know. I've never had a Big Mac. Oh, really? Yeah. That's a story. Me either, actually. Really? What is the largest ocean on Earth? Pacific. It is, yeah. All right, let me see. Let me find a good one. These are all really hard. I'm having to (laughs) sort through these. Most of these I don't even know. Okay, uh, the Australian Open is the Grand Slam tournament in which sport? Tennis. Yes. Yep. What is the only food that never goes bad? Rice. Honey. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Uh, What is it stored at the depository in Fort Knox? I don't know. Gold. Interesting. So in case you ever want to like rob someplace, yeah, I wouldn't suggest it. That. Well, it's that matches up with my line of work. <laughs> yeah, go in there first. All right. It's been an honor to talk to you today. We had a lot of fun. Well, yeah, thank it's... you both. I appreciate your time and the invitation. Um, again, how can people find you and Habitat for Humanity? Maybe more specifically, Holston Branch for that. Absolutely. Look us up online on Facebook at Holston Habitat or come to our website at holstonhabitat.org. And is there a way that people can reach you personally if if you want to put that out there? Absolutely. My email is lkelly, so L-K-E-L-L-Y, at holstonhabitat.org. Awesome. Uh, is there anything else you would like to say before we wrap up? Housing is important, and thanks for letting me talk about it. That's our show. Thanks so much for listening to Doing Good, the podcast. And you can find us if you'd like to hear more at our website at we'redoinggood.com or on Facebook or Instagram at We're Doing Good. So please like our pages and subscribe to our podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We all have something that we can be doing. So just take the first step. Everybody show some love and do some good. Have a great day.